Supply chain analyst and consultant Bob Ferrari offers expert advice on how to make the transformation from a linear supply chain to a collaborative multi-enterprise network, right now on the Agile Supply Chain Podcast. Bob, welcome to the next version of our thought leadership series on supply chain and agile healthcare transformation. It's really a pleasure to have you. You and I worked together for many years as analysts and in the industry. Uh, and I have a lot of respect for uh, your opinion of where supply chain and supply chain IT is going. So uh, I really look forward to this session. And, um, you know, no need to introduce myself. I lead digital transformation of supply chain at uh, Tracelink. How about introducing yourself and talking a little bit about you know, the kind of analyst work and industry research that you do? Great. And thank you. And hello, everyone. And hello, Roddy. Uh, as Roddy has mentioned, my name is Bob Ferrari, and basically I provide two personas. Uh, one is being a long-recognized supply chain technology industry analyst, and the other persona is as in within global uh, supply chain social media under the banner of the Supply Chain Matters website, which I founded in 2008. And today we've got a very much a global-wide uh, readership uh, to no surprise because that's what supply chains are today. As uh, Roddy has mentioned, uh, my background spans about 30 years of experience uh, guarded in multiple functional areas of supply chain, you name it, planning, customer fulfillment, customer service, and IT. And 18 years of that experience has been either as a supply chain industry analyst where Roddy and I date back somewhat that we don't want to tell people. And then as a marketing executive and also as a keen observer of multi-industry supply chain business processes and technology adoption. So that's kind of what my background is. Fantastic. And you know, Bob, one of the things we're going to do today, we're going to spend a little, a little time decomposing the uh, technology and vendor agnostic Sub agile supply chain credo that you know Tracelink has sponsored, and I think it's it's very exciting because the credo doesn't answer questions. What it does is it provides a really nice blueprint with some key operating principles, uh, you know, as a blueprint for for uh, transformation of uh, uh, of healthcare in bringing in the you know today's principles of agile. So. Let's kick off a question. What what pops out at you as an analyst uh, from the credo? What do you what really grabs you? What do you think is the the most exciting part of of the credo? Well, there were two uh, value drivers that really popped out for me. One was the customer patient outcomes over process metrics, and that is so very pertinent today, uh, especially. Well, what's going on with COVID-19 and what's currently in the, the limelight of uh, industry supply chain response. And it's not just pharmaceutical and life sciences and all the associated uh, healthcare networks uh, as part of this, but it's others as well. And, you know, it's interesting because when we talk among ourselves as supply chain uh, management people, we know what this world is all about and we know what to expect. But now the visibility into what we've been doing as professionals is so much more enhanced. And I hear that all the time now. It's, it's like, 
it, it's definitely reached the boardroom level. It's definitely reached the C-suite level. So that's one uh, value driver that really strikes me. The other one is demand-driven over supply-driven. And that, you know, we've talked about that as the outside-in strategy, how to think about that. And more and more industries are starting to manifest that. Uh, and you know, the, the origins really came from consumer, as you know, Roddy, and high tech. And, and now they're permeating in, uh, to many other industries. And we should talk about that from the notion of pharmaceutical and life sciences. So those are the two that really struck out for me. And I think you're absolutely right. And let's pick up on the point of pivoting from supply driven to, to patient driven because you know, when you take very specialized uh, operating models like cell and gene therapy, I mean, you simply can't survive with, you know, a 300-day inventory strategy in a cell and gene environment where you're making for maybe 10 patients or even one patient. So, so I think, you know, one point I would love to hear from you, and that is, you know, the, the, the pivot from inside out to outside in is not trivial. No. Uh, and in the context of Agile, um, what do you think has changed in the context of the word Agile in comparison to the Agile that you and I knew when we were talking Agile 10, 15 years ago? Absolutely. You know, for me today, Agile is very much a more business-driven effort. Uh, it, it has business process outcome connotations. And as you pointed out, that, that's completely different than the way we saw this about 10 or 15 years ago. And, you know, if you can allow me to provide one perspective is that, you know, over 15 years ago, I was a uh, global marketing leadership executive at SAP. And I must admit, I was one of the marketing architects for what was then called SAP's Agile Supply Chain Vision and what that implied. And essentially, you know, it, when you boiled it all down, it was a technology-driven concept of integrating information among inside-out systems with data integration technology being, well, I guess, inherently cumbersome at best. So Agile at that point was aspirational. It was something that we can put in front of SAP uh, customers and basically say, this is the direction that you should be headed in. And, you know, we're going to be with you, so to speak, to make that happen. Now, you know, I think there's been a lot of water under the dam since then um, in a sense of uh, integrated resource planning systems and connecting all of those internal business processes and data information needs may have been sufficient at the time, but it was still uh, an outside-in perspective, whereas supply chains shift the other way to the notion of external now. And, and I think that's a fundamental difference. Yeah, so and that's a good point. You know, I think no one wants to knock the billions of dollars that, that any, comp any big company spent on the ERP system, but it, it tends to be exactly your point it tended to be an investment to bring together the back office uh, business and supply chain functions in an organization, HR, procurement, material marketing, all of that sort of stuff. And you can't do without that. But, but if you think about the, the, the transformation of healthcare, healthcare 
is a really big networked community and it goes all the way from patients through hospitals, distributors, wholesalers, logistics, all the way back to contract manufacturers. And we can't have strings and strings of interconnected ERP systems uh, and expect to run a healthcare and transform a healthcare network. So, so I think that ERP as the back office of the business, I mean, is fundamental. You know, a company doesn't necessarily need to put in an ERP today, but if they've got an ERP, it wasn't a wasted investment. But I think the real challenge for a lot of companies is how on earth do I now connect my four walls of my enterprise onto into this community of healthcare partners who are all patient-centrically organized? And I think, you know, I recently did that podcast with you on digital platforms and where that's going to go. And I, and I think what's very exciting is that there's now this complementary role of an ERP system connecting into the, the digital network platform and all other partners with their, with their ERP systems. So, you know, I, I think in a context of agile, um, we are now not just about being able to respond in an efficient way because we've got integrated data as the basis of agile, We've now got a whole series of partners, people, processes, organization, leadership, et cetera, you know, via this platform. So I think that's quite exciting. And, you know, one of the points I made to you is what, what sort of behaviors do you think the industry needs to stop doing in order to move forward and, and start thinking about healthcare transformation patient-centrically, so to speak? Well, you know, there, there's a number of them that, you know, we could really talk to, um, you know, in a sense of, uh, you know, the notion of, you know, stop thinking about it as linear supply chain and start thinking about it as coordinated multi-enterprise response networks. And, and just as you pointed out, uh, the ERP system is another node on that network. It connects to other ERP systems. It connects to B2B supply chain network platforms much more than today. So when you consider, you know, we go back to the history of EDI and what it was. Well, EDI was an electronic means to move transactions across extended supply chains. We've moved way beyond that right now from uh, a platform and technology perspective. So now it's not just transactions, it's collaboration, it's information, it's streaming information regarding, regarding orders, regarding production status. And now, you know, when I talk to audiences about this, you know, it's the notion of we, you know, we always had this vision as supply chain management professionals that when will we ever see the ability, probably in our lifetime, where we could be bring digital and physical together. Now we can do it. Right. You know, that's such an important point. And, and I think, you know, we, we always, as analysts, 10 years ago, we said, well, you know, we're looking forward to the days when you can separate the flow of information about the product from the flow of the product itself. Because up until quite recently, the two were inextricably linked and coupled. Well, now I can have information flowing completely different routes to the flow of my product, and in fact, in in such a way that I can almost start doing, you know, predictive analysis and and uh, um, 
predicting what's likely to happen to the product when it eventually gets to a point. And I think that makes this whole idea of a of a healthcare community network platform, uh, you know, so realistic. And and I and I think that you know the connection of the 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 ERP foundation, or let's say the back office of a business onto the network is where companies need to start thinking about you know their future architectural strategies what are you know what are your perspectives on the start and stops of digital bob because you know i i heard a, a supply chain executive from a life science company stand on the stage and say you know i thought we'd nailed supply chain and along came digital now everybody's confused how would you respond to that comment because you know it kind of makes me laugh when i hear it but I, I think it is indicative of the mindset of supply chain leaders who see this as another wave of technology that's hitting them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we've we've always been exposed to, you know, the way I hear it described, and you do as well. You know, the 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 buzz of the technology community or whatever that is, and to some extent, maybe it is. But for me, you know, it, it's especially for you know pharmaceutical and life sciences and medical products it's a regulated industry, right? And the notion is stop articulating the notions of uh, forcing governance, you know, uh, performance governance around a linear uh, supply chain driven supply chain, because it's far different than that. It's now uh, this notion of networks, it's digital. It's all the aspects of digital. And yes, regulatory compliance uh, regulatory performance is a part of that, uh, extremely so in pharmaceutical life science, but it's always been a part of that in consumer products, as you know. Right. And, and, and I think, you know, what's interesting, Bob, is the point that, to your point that, you know, yes, the FDA and World Health Organization, uh, you know, enforced compliance, enforced serialization, enforced good manufacturing practices and, and validation of systems, etc. But but I think it's really a way of working. And I think if there's one one deliverable that ERP gave the industry was a sort of a codified approach to validating and compliance in the four walls of a business. But we've got to stop seeing that as a penalty because I think that it's it's gotten in the way now of um, you know a responsive supply chain because we've now hard coded everything into big inflexible systems. When a disruption comes along like the pandemic, the wheels come off because there's just so many changes and so many replans and reorganizings and you know reframing of suppliers uh, that the business and we're seeing them all reeling as a result of that and so. That hard-coded back office, uh, as to your point, is sufficient, but it's really not. Um, it's not resilient enough. It doesn't provide an architecture that will enable the resilience to to disruption. So you know there is another way of. I think that the supply chain credo, uh, as we put it together, the fact that we're augmenting people's behaviors and their capabilities with systems rather than you know replacing them as i think a point you and i made when we've been talking replacing people with systems that's really not the paradigm in no no it's not no and for me i was going to say and for me you know it's the notion of stop is operating in those internal or external suppliers of protected information 
you know, we keep information protected because of these notions, these cultural notions. Uh, and we view regulatory control as a hibriter uh, versus a partner in what right. we do. And what encourages me in watching the industry as an outsider, but watching them, is you see even the FDA today is talking about experimenting with digital technologies. Um, it's willing, it's, it's being open to things like blockchain. It's open to Internet of Things kinds of uh, aspects because I think they're beginning to understand that how they regulate and the way they regulate across, across a global uh, network of uh, supply and, and demand requires that they've got to look at this as well. And yeah. And, you know, Bob, both you and I have seen the wave of control towers hit us, right? And, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, control towers being synonymous with, well, I can't see upstream and downstream because I've got all these systems and, and they don't necessarily share data and compare data. I think what's really exciting about the credo is the fact that we po point out the, the need to have the visibility and the sensing capabilities to... Uh, capture and see disruptions as they are occurring and solve them in as near time um, with agile teams as, as possible. I mean, how would you comment on the, on the, you know, the control tower wave that hit everybody as a reaction to this lack of visibility? Because I think the digital network platform like Amazon, the, the, the native AWS capabilities allows you to exchange real-time data, to see upstream and to see downstream and share data with partners. How would you comment on the control tower wave? Well, you know, I, I was in the beginning of uh, control tower when it was first introduced uh, maybe five years ago, maybe six years ago. And, it, and, and there were two iterations of it, if you remember. One was the planning control tower. And it came from the supply chain planning side of the house. So it was the notion of how do I bring all this information that, again, is outside in. It's coming from external sources. And how do I put it in context uh, to the notions of what's going on and what do I really need to pay attention to and where are the real exceptions going to happen and what are we doing about those kinds of things. And the the control tower analogy was purposely selected because everybody could relate to an airport control tower. What does an air traffic controller do? Well, the systems, the control systems, basically navigate the planes, the aircraft, in terms of navigation and things like that. The controller provides the communication of, you know, what plane should be doing what. And then when you get an exception, like a, an aircraft would call an emergency or things like that, then the controller really gets involved and brings in additional resources and help to respond to that. So it started off as that, it got some legs. Uh, there were some early uh, implementations of this and then it moved to the execution area. Now, some would say it started in execution and moved to planning. It doesn't matter. That was the notion of control towers was the ability to tap these in, uh, these networks. And, you know, it's very much for me uh, like the aircraft analogy. You know, when we fly very modern aircraft today, uh, think of like the Airbus A380, one of the biggest aircraft ever 
designed and put into the skies. Now, granted, it was a little overkill, but basically it is very sophisticated. Or the Airbus A320, the 321, or the Boeing 787 Dreamliner. They're all very, very sophisticated aircraft with onboard systems, redundant flight control systems, three or four different versions with onboard analytics that are and telematics that are actually alerting maintenance people on the ground to their performance criteria and things like that. Marvelous sophisticated equipment, self-controlling, but at the same time, that pilot has overrides right. on all of that stuff. Right. And when I when I talk to audiences about that, Roddy, and try to give them a sense of that, and especially where people come in, I, you know, I always say, remember, those pilots always have an override. And remember, all of those sophisticated cockpits with all of those autonomous systems and sophisticated technologies, there's still a windshield. Right. And, you know, I think going back to your point, and then we can close out and, you know, maybe you can leave us with some nugget that we can remember Bob by. But I think, you know, the point that I that you made earlier about the ERP system and the ERP system, yes, was a technology integration cornerstone for agility. But today it's people, process, technology and leadership. And so the scope of agility is much wider. So, Bob, as we close out, and I really appreciate, uh, you know, you're doing this thought leadership piece with us. What what nugget would you leave people with, listeners with, uh, you know, to think about as as we shut this uh, um, session down? Yeah, I think you know beyond the uh, the stops and starts and, and what that's involved and what we just talked about, I, I think other principles, you know, that I could share is basically understanding uh, that while no trans two transformation journeys are the same, uh, there's common industry-wide learning, uh, not just in pharmaceutical and life sciences, but other industries as well, and how to best align stakeholder interests and how other organizations are doing that today and what have they run into. So tap into that learning, understand it. Uh, remember that Technology is not the sole solution here. It's about transformation. It's about leadership. It's about culture, people skills, change management, and then best purpose technology, all aligned and addressed in parallel. Right. And then, you know, I think we should focus on people in a sense of developing a personal development plan that allows people to be positioned for what we're talking about here, an analytical, digital, and collaborative team skill environment uh, where leadership and decision-making are gonna be the jobs of tomorrow. Now, that doesn't say people are gonna be eliminated. I, I often, you know, as an analyst and been around and seen a lot of this, you know, in many iterations, I kind of cringe today when I hear some technology companies talking about the totally autonomous supply chain. I think we got to be very careful about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's probably a, you know, a good note to end on. And uh, Bob, it's really great to talk to you. I think your, you know, your ERP background and some of your perspectives on ERP, you know, not being necessary, you know, they, they were necessary at the time, but they're really not sufficient to do the pivot to patient driven and, and uh, customer driven in the future. 
it's a great pleasure to have you on the session. Thank you very much.